0: Welcome to another edition of The Lighter Side of Serial Killers here on the Boom-Bastic Media Network. I am your host, Keith Rovere. I'm an author and collector of true crime art and memorabilia, and I am so happy you joined me today. Uh, And for every week, I'm always happy you guys join me. I appreciate it. appreciate the support, all the shares and likes and comments. Uh, Podcast is growing, I think, because we're doing a little something different here. Uh, So many, oh my gosh, so many podcasts are out there. Uh, usually just kind of reading from a Wikipedia page about (laughs) some case or another. But here is the only podcast with a serial killer called the show. And not always serial killers. William Harder, who we're going to be talking to today, certainly is not a serial killer. At least he hasn't been caught yet. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But I first saw him on a series I was watching called Serial Killer Culture, uh, produced and put together by John Borowski, who's just an amazing person himself. Um, It was really highlighting true crime art, and memorabilia, murderabilia, as some people used to call it. We don't really call that too much anymore. Um, you might not know his name, William Harder, but you've probably seen his face. If you've seen any documentary talking about true crime art and memorabilia, um, I look at him as the godfather of it. Um, when I realized I actually had a collection, I didn't, wasn't collecting. I just happened to uh, have letters and artwork from, you know, tons of people, specifically serial killers that are out there. Um, and I saw him, like, oh, let me reach out to him. He was kind and generous uh, with his time and giving me some wisdom and insight into, uh, into what I had uh, and any uh, any future dealings I might have. Um, let's bring William in, uh, Mr. Harder, William, sir. Um, like I said, I was first introduced to you uh, through John Barofsky, uh in the I guess it was a documentary and then it was made into a little series, a little series of shows. Um, and your episode certainly highlighted um, you know some memorability that you had. Uh, so how did you meet John? Where'd you guys uh, uh, cross paths at? And uh, what was that experience like for you uh, filming serial killer culture?
1: Oh, dude, John's great. We, I think we met on Facebook and uh, he was doing the serial killer culture movie and he wanted me to uh, come down to LA for an interview. And I was just like, oh, come on, man, you're breaking, you're killing me here. I don't have the, I didn't have time. It wasn't, you know, a matter of just, i could have got to la but it was just i was just so busy and i said look man you have to come up here if you want to if you want to talk I just don't have time to yeah i had nothing i had nothing going on when he did that so we missed that boat serial killer culture came out then he started doing the tv uh made for tv series and he uh reached back out to me and he said look i can come to your place and i was like great man let's uh let's do it it was a lot of fun you know we uh we, we hung out, and we did the you know the interview, we went through stuff, and I, I like John, man, I'd be happy to work with him again, he's a,
0: he's a nice guy. Yeah, he really does seem like a great guy, I talked to him a few times, we actually swapped books, uh, gave him my book, uh, just came out and gave me his new book on Ned Gein, uh, seemed like a really good guy. Uh, once I saw the Cola culture with you in it, um, I realized, oh, I, I have a collection too, you know, some artwork and some letters, uh, and I reached out to you right away, and you're you know, kind uh, and gracious with your time. Uh, we, we we talked about a few things, gave me some tips, if you will, about collecting and uh, what's out there. So I kind of looked at you as like the godfather of, of collecting. Um, you, you're definitely the face that comes out in all the interviews. When you realized you had something going or a collection, did you have anybody to look up to, as questions on, or were you kind of uh, the pioneer, you <laughs> just kind of on your own?
1: Well, I knew it was a thing. I remember... I'm pretty sure it was on SK Central, somebody had posted a bunch of pictures of Ramirez artwork, and I saw it, and I was just, uh, just, uh, it, it might not have been, I, I, the thing is, I can't remember what website it was, I'm assuming it was uh, SK Central, but it was it wasn't for sale. It was just pictures of Ramirez's art. and this was like in 2001, I think. And I was I and I just immediately wanted it. I was like, man, this is awesome. You know where do you find this? And um, I, uh, there was no way to buy it. I didn't know how to work the Internet back then I was. This was you know uh, this had to be 2000, 2001. Anyway, I painstakingly searched the name Richard Ramirez in Google until I found that, you know I went through hundreds of pages, so I finally found the CDCR death row roster had all the inmates and their prison numbers, and I found Ramirez's prison number, and I knew that death row wasn't Folsom. It had moved to San Quentin, you know, many, many, many years, um, you know, prior to it being built initially. But I didn't know that, so I wrote him in Folsom. The letter back then they would forward letters. It was forwarded to Ramirez. He got it and he wrote back. As far as people to look up to, I didn't have anybody really to to talk to. Um, there were a couple of collectors that I um, were really interested in. You know, Nick Bugis being one of the earliest. Uh, Collectors of this sort of stuff. Uh, I knew who he was before I knew what collecting was because of his involvement with Anton LaVey. And I just, uh, when I started visiting Manson, all the collectors started coming to me. This was in 2006. So then I started meeting everybody because everybody, you know, wanted some sort of in with Manson. And I kind of learned that, you know, hey, everybody's not your friend. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some real underhanded folks and they just, you know, they were if i could go back oh if i could go back how i would have done things differently but yeah you know i i learned pretty quick and um and i and i just kept doing it like i i just i uh i mean i knew it had value but that's not why i was doing it i was just writing and getting stuff and, and i didn't sell anything for probably my first six years and the only reason i sold the stuff was to help buy this guy a tv <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, for me um I've been in prison aftercare, you know, most of my adult life, um, kind of reaching those whom the world deems unlovable, if you will, um, especially here locally in that South Jersey, Philly area. Um, guys get out, help them get jobs, get them back on their feet, get them some ID, uh, a place I, I help volunteer at owns a couple of houses in, in the inner city of Camden. Um, again, really help the guys out a little bit. Uh, and then slowly but surely, I started to get more fascinated with the criminal mind. Um, I mean, mostly drug-related, where I'm at, you don't really get the, you know, the psychopathic mind, if you will, um, but I get more curious about it, and I really want to reach out, see if I can help these, because they don't get help, especially if you're a very violent offender, like a serial killer, uh, a mobster, school shooter, you know, those type of violent offenders. Um, even in prison facilities don't really care, uh, for the most part. So that's kind of why I reached out. I really want to make a difference in their life, see if I can shed light. Uh, in their dark world and their dark mind, uh, but most people never showed them love or compassion at all. As you well know, what was it for you? Uh, what really made you get started uh, in wanting to reach out to them?
1: Well, I started with Ramirez because um, the the obvious ties to Satanism, and I just, you know, I just wanted to have that artwork. It just seemed real fitting to the whole thing I was into, uh, and that and that particular. Uh, point in my life which I'm still very much into I, I just wanted it and <laughs> I decided to um, you know when I wrote he wrote back I quickly wrote to a, a couple other people I think it was Berkowitz Manson and um, and none of them wrote back and I was like oh this is not quite as easy as I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. so I just wrote to Ramirez for like the first four years yeah it, 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 it and it's of course evolved you know, and and, uh, like you said, I enjoy helping. I, you know, I help guys with legal stuff. I look up case stuff. I I do all sorts of things. I've, I've forwarded, I don't know how many countless messages to attorneys, set up funeral stuff, arranged for other people to visit, all that. Yeah. And these, when, when when you say things like the psychopathic mind and I don't buy into any of that. People are people, Mm -hmm. people kill each other. If we didn't have running water and police, we'd all be killing each other. There'd be two types of people, the ones that kill and the ones that get killed. And that would be the end of, I mean, that's just the way people are. I do find it interesting that in modern society, particularly in the United States, where we have amenities and, you know, we have television, porn, football, why a person decides that they want to kill people, you know, particularly torture killing for fun. like, I just don't really understand what's missing like mm-hmm. why that this person couldn't mesh into society in some way i I just to me it just it, it was so alien, so I mean, yeah, there is a I guess you'd say a psychological interest, but i don't I just you know to me people are people and right? people are savage, and these people are just much more in touch with that that savage nature that we all mm-hmm. have but mm-hmm. most people have dumbed it down like like people don't think where their their fur coats come from or their leather jackets or the 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 you know the the rack of lamb. You know, nobody thinks about the conditions and what what horrificness went into it because they're just indifferent to it. Killers are just they have that same indifference, but it's to people. It's and it's just the way that it's just the way they're wired. Uh, or the you know, I don't even know if it's if it's nature nurture. Just these it's, for whatever reason, it is what it is. And I was just captivated by it. But I've mm-hmm. always been captivated with like horror movies and you know the like the Colosseum in Rome. And I just always thought that was you know just. And I was just interested in it—animals eating people and things like that—always interested me as a child, and I just it just evolved in, into this. So, I mean, there's no real quick answer to give as to as to why, and it, it's just something that I immensely enjoy doing, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as it's fun.
0: So, tell us what was it like uh, to meet Richard Ramirez uh, for the first time in person, face to face, if you will. I'm sure there's a, a piece of glass in front of you, because um, we see him on TV. Um, during interviews and different documentaries, uh, and I, at least I know, at least from phone calls, um, they sound and are completely different with me. Especially once they get to know me, than they are doing a, in an interview for like 2020 or Dateline or some documentary. Um, what was it like? And I'll ask you about Charles Manson in a minute too. Um, but what was it like uh, to finally meet Richard Ramirez uh, in person? Um, he
1: he he was he didn't speak fast. He was a very um... He tried to think ahead, I think, for what he was going to say. To try to make himself sound a little more sophisticated, he was definitely more reserved and soft-spoken. Mm. But he was well-spoken. I, uh, I remember walking into the, the way the visiting works for, it, where he was, where I was visiting him, that first time. There's a sally port to sort of go through, and the, the little windows are to the left. So you walk in and immediately turn left, and he was right there. And I just remember seeing him, and I'm like. Yep, yep, that's him, but it didn't, the the real excitement came as I was, we were, you know, we were leaving the prison, going over the um, Richmond Bridge, and I was just, you know, like, it was him, it was really him, because, you know, you've seen this, you know, this person, you know, in in books, and um, on television, and then all of a sudden, there he was, and it was, uh, I know, it was, it was real exciting, you couldn't get to know Richard, I think, in writing, he wasn't um, a prolific writer, but he, uh, I don't think he, he when, it was just, it was sort of disappointing almost in that he wasn't, his visits were fun. I'm not going to say they weren't, and I enjoyed visiting with him, and if he was alive today, I would go visit him again. But but writing him was, you know, just, yeah, no, you couldn't get to know him. I was told that's the way Danny Rowling was, is you couldn't really get to know him unless you visited him, because his letters were so... Except, except Rowling's letters were fun because he made them. You know, he was there. If you've ever read a Danny Rowling letter versus a Ramirez letter, you know what I'm talking about. He mm-hmm. was just, uh, just different. It was exciting because it was, you know, one of the most high-profile cases uh, in America, and um, I didn't have any expectation. Like I didn't know what a good visit would be like. So it was, it was in that it was very exciting because of the newness of it all. But you know, when I looked back, as you know. Over the years of all the people I visited it's like man those visits kind of sucked
0: <laughs> outside
1: of it being Ramirez it wasn't like um, it wasn't like a larger than life experience I mean mm. Michael Alec was more fun to visit and Michael Alec is not a savage brutal killer wasn't he was you know just a guy who killed this drug dealer but man his yeah. visits were so much fun and the way he described the stuff he was doing in prison and all of that I mean he was just he was full of life and he was happy and oh my God, it was just, mm. I had so much fun visiting with him. Like it was a lot of fun. Even Anthony Solwell yeah. in Ohio, you know, happy, energetic. He didn't want to talk about his case, but I mean, and if you didn't know he had that the case he had, Seemed like a very, you know, somebody you'd see as like a, you know, like a softball coach. Big and and somewhat menacing, but very disarming. I mean, it was was fun, and I'm glad I had the experiences I did with Ramirez, just because, again, when people try to tell me how deep he is, it's like, look, man, save that shit for somebody who's never met him.
0: Now, I I think I heard this story from you. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course. Um, But Richard wasn't really a fan of bathing. You know, (laughs) he wasn't a big shower person. Um, And... The, and I don't know how to phrase this, he had a masturbation problem. He had a hard time keeping, keeping his hands off himself and that you actually brought uh, a couple girls with you. Um, I don't know if you knew ahead of time that he had a problem um, or, or you did know and you're just going to get a kick out of it, but he would get kind of like real close to the glass and kind of, you know, please himself, if you will, without the girls knowing about it. Was this true? I mean, were you the one that told me this story? Yes. Yeah. was
1: he... Um... What he would do is he would ask me to stand by the wall, and he would talk to my wife and my friend, and he would pull out some tissue from his pocket and then just put his face completely up to the glass, occasionally looking over his shoulder, and he'd just be there beaten off. And um, you know what are you gonna do, man? It was a uh, at the time, I didn't even put it together. That's what he was doing. You know, I, I was—I I was so puzzled by it. But then I—I I, another friend of mine who went to visit him. So that's the first thing he would do. He would tell her. This was in the San Francisco County Jail. He would tell her to take off her shoes and socks, put her feet on the glass, and he'd just go to town.
0: That's a riot. And when
1: he was done, then they would—that was like his. You know, he would just—that was one of the things he expected from her.
0: And really, the same question um, for you about Charles Manson. Uh, I seen pictures on your Facebook page of you guys next to each other uh, when you went to visit him. Um, we see him on the documentaries again on the interviews. his wacky, kooky character—you um, look clearly, you know, insane. Uh, but you hear stories that you know he's a completely different person uh, for those who spend time with him. Uh, and other people say, "No, he's exactly the same." So for you, who definitely spent uh, time with him on more than one occasion. Was he the same guy uh, or was uh, the people that said that he's the same person on screen and off screen, if you will? um, What was your experience with him?
1: I don't know who visited Manson and said he was just like he was when he was on TV, because, I mean, don't get me wrong. He had those moments, but we had, you know, very normal conversations about, you know, I wanted to just talk about the girls on the ranch, not even the murders as much. I was more interested in the um, just to kind of hear what the. The, the daily life was like and hear the, hear the sex stories. You know, I just, that's what I wanted to talk about. In hindsight, I kind of wish I'd have asked more about the case, but, yep. um, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, his visits, he was, yeah, Manson was whatever you needed him to be in that moment. And, uh, I mean, sometimes I'd be so fucking hung over and he would just be going on, on, you know, on, like he is on TV about the Spanish captain coming over to Bugliosi's court to, take down the mafia or whatever he was just going on about. And it was just so much that I would, would be thinking to myself, I have no idea what this man is talking about. And, but it all, you know, when, when I had people sort of explain to me some of the things he was saying, it all had meaning. It all mm. tied in one way to, to another, to something. But it was just his way of uh expressing it. But I've had plenty of normal, uh, you know, regular com- type conversations with Charles yeah okay. that were just were.
0: His visits were fun. And you never <laughs> sure. knew what was it. What was it? It was like a,
1: like a box of chocolates. You didn't know what you were gonna
0: get. Now on your uh, on your Facebook page, there's memories or whatever they're called uh, from years back pop up at you post. Um, it's usually a picture of you and, and somebody famous from a facility. <laughs> Did you or even like Robert Bardo? You know, I always get a kick. You either give me a phone call or uh, you send me a message when you're visiting Robert. Obviously, I'm you know friends with him also. Uh, we always get a kick out of that. Um, but what are some other names that you've met um, that you just uh, were glad to meet or had just great experiences with um, or just something memorable to you?
1: Oh, glad to meet. You know, I really enjoyed my visits with Manson. I mean, it's it did not just because of the notoriety. I mean, it was just... I took so much from those and uh, John King and Russell Brewer from the Jasper dragging death incident of 1998, the, the quote unquote hate crime that, you know, shocked, uh, shocked America. Those guys, I mean, Russell wasn't really deep, but I in, enjoyed getting the chance to meet him and John who just seemed, just came across as like a, such a well-rounded guy, but he wasn't. I was really, young, and I got to learn so much about the, the case. I got to meet their families and um, and things like that. It, it, it was there was a lot. I was very involved meeting everybody externally outside of prison. You know, it was just such. I was so involved with that case, and there was so much of it. I it, it's hard to, you can't really replace, uh, you know, those um, those memories. Even mm. though uh, they could be, you know, John especially could be very difficult at times. As I mentioned, Michael Allig was you know high energy, a fun visit. I even stayed an extra day uh, to visit him again. It was that much fun uh, visiting with him. We took tons of fun photos. You know He was all all about having a good time with it.
0: i seen pictures. Uh, you met uh, Roy Norris and uh, Bittaker, right?
1: Like Yeah, I met both of them, visited them both extensively. I, I really liked Norris. It, it was fun visiting them when I could ping things off of each other. Mm. Like, I would visit Norris for two days. For, you know, like, uh, you know, five or six hours, go up to San Quentin and see Bitteker for two days, for five hours each, drive back down the next weekend to see Norris and then fresh with the questions and things that I'd asked kind of, and it turns out Norris, his recollection and dishonesty was a little bit, you know, he, I think Norris lied about his involvement Mm -hmm. and tried to minimize his efforts because he had biological parents. That were alive at the time of his arrest. Bittaker was adopted. I don't think Bittaker, you know, cared so much how the world saw him. Norris, on the other hand, it, you know, was ashamed mm. of of what had happened, and because of the shame, he brought his family. He definitely wanted to minimize his involvement. But but Larry would tell me, well, he's lying, and and he said, you know, he's a pathological liar. And I told Larry, well, if you were a pathological liar, that's what you would tell me. But he was asking this, 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 and this. Oh, and man. I'd go back and, and Norris would just, I could see that he was getting tripped up. I mm. could see that he was having a hard time, you know. Well, I just don't remember. And it's like, oh, Roy, you're, you're, you're remembering that you're bullshitting is what it is. You know, this is because it, it had never happened before. Nobody was just visiting both of them. And uh, doing this sort of thing, I was re- oh, I was asking the right questions with them. You know, I remember the first visit I had with uh, Larry. I was like, um, uh, "Do you do you like talking about your case?" He goes, "No, but I have. If you have questions, I have the answers." And I said, "Great, let's start with victim number one." <laughs> and I just how did that day start? You know, and I just would go through each each scenario and how it came to be. Because I wanted to know. I remember I was sitting with Tommy Lynn Sells once, and I had him recap the case from Illinois where he killed the family, where he killed the newborn, the mom, the three-year-old, and the, fa- the father. Yeah. And I remember as I was going through this with him, Tommy Sells stopped, and he said, why do you want to know this? And I remember answering him, why does it matter? To tell me. And I had him go, because I wanted to know how a person wakes up in the morning and then kills a the whole family. Mm-hmm. A newborn, I mean, how does that even happen? And he just, he broke it down. It made, it made sense. I, and I'm not saying it makes sense killing people. It made sense how it happened. He basically, because the woman could ID him, he killed the the father. He had to go back and kill her too, is what it boiled down to. And since he was going there, he might have, and he was going to have to kill the, the, the three-year-old. And she went into labor. Uh, he was, you know, you might as you know, he had to kill her. He's going to have to kill the kids. And he says, look, I'm not. Tr- and, he, and, when, and when he finished the story, he goes, look, I'm not trying to justify what I did. You don't understand what it's like to be in that situation. I had to make a decision and I made one.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't
1: ever make me choose between me and you because you'll lose mm-hmm. every time. And that's how he felt about it. And it was and I made him tell me that story twice because I wanted to make sure he wasn't lying to me. And the only thing that was different from the first time he told it to the second time was the order that he killed the woman and the baby. But everything else was identical. And I was like, yeah, man, this really happened.
0: Well, it's like my conversations with Keith Jesperson talking about his first murder of Tanya Bennett. Um, we have the two people, uh, two people took credit for it Laverne and John. And uh, when they're interviewing Keith, he had a hard time remembering the exact facts. And Keith would tell me, he's like, I wasn't trying to remember this at the time. If anything, I'm trying to forget it and move on. He asked me what color where her shirt was. I I, I don't remember that. That,
1: that. That's like the West Memphis Three, you know, Jesse Miss Kelly. You know, yeah, his first interrogation was rough. But his second one, he said the same thing. His third one, he said the same thing. If he's so slow, if he's so mentally retarded... How is he giving the same—the police coaching him all these times? I mean, he he was given the same account, Mm -hmm. and that, to me, just screams guilt. And and, and I wasn't there. You know, maybe those guys didn't do anything, but uh, they pled guilty to it. Guilty, please. The best evidence in my book.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Now, you obviously have a large collection of artwork and letters from a who's who of Sierra Colors, if you will. Uh, What are a few pieces— um, that you cherish the most, you know, the not for, the never for sale pieces. Uh, what are some pieces that you really uh, uh, hold on to and say uh, these are my favorite?
1: Um, I got a letter that Sean Sellers wrote to his father. Sean Sellers was a teen uh, killer who said he, uh, you know, uh, in post conviction said he was possessed by the devil. He was sentenced to death for crimes he committed at 16, and it was in fact executed by the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and he wrote a letter to his dad when they came to take all his art supplies away two months prior to his execution as part of the preparation process. You have to mail out all your property. and You can't keep excess property. You're getting ready to, you know, uh, execution of sentence. Mm-hmm. And in this letter, it's one page, and he's just very sad. And he's like, Sean, the artist, died today. And it's just Sean was somebody I never got to meet. And it. it's like the first true crime case that I ever got really interested in uh, the Sean Sellers, uh, Ricky Casso cases. And it was, you know, just that letter always sticks out when people ask if I, you know, I have a favorite letter. And that one, even though it's not to me, it's, it's just real good. I got a card Manson sent me that actually framed. It was, it was super nice.
0: Favorite, uh, Manson piece.
1: I mean, the, there's a string art doll that I, you know, a part of me wants to be buried with it. And if somebody wants to come dig it up and steal it from me and, and, you know, post-mortem, that'll be their prerogative, you know, and, uh, but and then a, another part of me thinks my wife should just sell all this crap because she put up with me lugging it all around. King and Brewer made a Bible for me that was really, they really dolled it up real nice. They wrote long inscriptions in it. They put handprints and, you know, all sorts of things. It, 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 was, it was really nice. I just got, you know, the only, uh, you know, the only unscattered portion of Eileen Warnos's ashes, the cross she wore during her trial and her jailhouse Bible, and I mean, and while those aren't necessarily favorite pieces, they are certainly going to be vitals of my collection. Uh, they're they're great.
0: Yeah, I saw you post that you picked a, a massive collection up from uh, Eileen Warner's.
1: Yeah, it was like 800, 800 something letters, tons of court uh, documents. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. still trying to catalog it. It's um, it wasn't a small purchase.
0: Now, if I'm not mistaken. Um Dorothea Poente was your grandmother?
1: The real, the real, see when I did the interview with Boroski. It was still under the 7 year period uh and I was, you know, technically not legally her grandson cuz she listed me as a family member early on in my visiting with her. She put me down and I and I asked her, "Why are you doing this?" You yeah, know, I'm not your grandson. And she says, "No, no, no, just we just just don't worry about it, you know, today." And I was like, OK. And then when she started having her medical issues, I was actually, because I was listed as family, was able to go visit her in the hospital. And then when she became uh, uh, non-responsive, I was able to visit her. I had all day visiting access. I was allowed to go and sit with her while she was non-responsive. And, uh, and, 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 and I did. And I was just so afraid that the prison would try to do something to me. Uh, but it wasn't like I, I told them I was. She did. But I was afraid that there'd be some legal thing and they would try to, you know, come after me uh, for just being for just being, you know, the person who was doing all the family stuff. And I was, you know, so I would tell people that it was, uh, uh you know, legal. And in reality, it's just on paper now, because when I did all the funeral stuff, uh, it lists me as the grandson and I'm the person who picked up her remains.
0: Uh, just a few more questions and we'll get you out of here. Um, the. I would call the main opponent of true crime art and memorabilia collection, uh, Andy Kahn. Um, is it true—I know you've had a, um, a few public debates with him— um, that he actually has a large or one of the largest collections of, of true crime memorabilia out there?
1: He has a collection. It's not one of the largest. It fits into a duffel bag. He uses it to a, a display. I've seen it. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've had you know lunch and dinner with Andy many a times. He's been to my home— we've filmed countless things together. And while he and I do disagree on a great many things, there's a great many things we do agree on. And mm. uh, in fact, the uh, of the last time we were in New York together to be on Dr. Oz, he and I went out to dinner That's and, and talked about almost everything but crime, mm-hmm. talked about our families and, and what we've been doing. And then they had us in separate, you know, green rooms across the hall from each other. And we ended up just finding each other and hanging out they, they thought we had to be kept separate and we're like look man when but when we get on the television together or, or you know in any sort of interview we we don't pull punches we, mm-hmm. we try to prove our points uh but you know there's there's you can be friends with a person and not agree with them on everything you know, i've got friends that don't agree with you know me politically i've got friends that um you know like like andy that you just don't uh, we don't you would think outwardly we, we don't wouldn't have these things in common but but andy and i get along just fine and he uh he, he is he is the uh he's the he's the uh, he's the end of the yang.
0: Yeah. speaking of collecting uh, and memorabilia um you own a site and run a site called murder auction tell us a little bit about it and can anyone join yeah
1: it, uh, it was uh, created in 2005 by a man named todd bohannon and i quickly found it became a member and fell in just in love with it it was it was everything that a true crime site needed to be it was like ebay because ebay had banned the sale of crime related items uh so you couldn't auction stuff off eventually todd phased out of the uh, hobby he had some uh, you know st- stuff that was demanding and he just did not have a uh, you know. the the time and the means to be involved. And he ended up selling the site to me. We partnered in 2008, and I bought the site outright in 2009. Uh, It works very similar to eBay. Anybody can sign up. There's a $10 one-time registration fee that keeps the riffraff off. Uh, I don't take any commissions or uh, the like for sales. It just seems like more work than it's worth, man, and I just don't want to be chasing people down. I want it to be fun, so I've made every feature free, you know, people can, you know, list as many things as they want, they can sell as much as they want. You don't have to pay anything extra. And it's it's yeah, it's uh and it also you have to keep in mind in two thousand and five there wasn't uh Facebook. So there wasn't, you know, and, and and social platforms were just like getting their footing. So when when Todd created this, he wanted it to be like a community where people could get together and kind of get to know each other. And you know, while Facebook certainly is a is the platform that a lot of people use to do that and now Instagram and and whatnot. Uh, the Murder Auction website still serves as a place where if you want to sell your stuff and not have to become friends with people, uh, you can you know you can also come here to buy stuff. We are not going to have to. Uh, there's not going to be any forced interaction. You know, people on you know with Facebook and other social media, they can get into your life. Mm-hmm. with murder auction it's 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 transactional it's not there's not a lot of and and the riffraff isn't there because if you pay 10 bucks and you bid on something and you don't pay for it you get the boot mm-hmm. and you know now you're and people that just who aren't serious aren't going to do it and we keep you know and and because it's self-policed everybody who's selling you know, if something comes up that's questionable, you know, my phone starts to ring, I get text messages and emails saying, mm-hmm. hey, this doesn't look any good. I'll make a decision, and if I think it's questionable, I'll email the person and say, look, man, I, I get it that you think this is legit, but it's just way too questionable, mm-hmm. I've got to. Obligation to everybody who uses the sign, ask me to take it down. Mm-hmm. I had one person who told me, "Oh no, I can assure you it's very real. I'm going to leave it up." And I was like, "Oh, I don't think you understand how this works. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me explain it to yeah. you." I, was, I wasn't asking <laughs> your opinion. I told you, you had to take it down, and they argued with me for a minute. I just eventually went in, took it down for him, and I said, "Don't, don't re-listen." I had one guy who I did that with, and they relisted the stuff, and I was like, "Listen, man, you're going to get kicked off if you keep this shit up, man." I'm, I'm trying to be patient. I'm a pretty patient guy. I try to give people, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt or the, you know, I don't understand not everybody's intelligent. So I try to work with people, you know, based on the individual, but it, my goal is to keep I want it fun and I want to keep, you know, keep the items legit. And it's mm-hmm. I, buy, I I bought I bought two items from the site today. I'm constantly buying stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You actually bought something from me, the uh, Jared from Subway card that <laughs> that I had up there.
1: See mm-hmm. the thing is I love Subway. Mm-hmm. And when when, the, when that case first broke, you know, Jared was cooperating, he hadn't been arrested, and everybody was just going crazy, this fucking godchild molester. And I made this Facebook post, said, man, y'all a bunch of fucking bootlickers. There's no evidence against him, he is cooperating. You're just believing what the police tell you? Man, you guys suck. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the evidence became public, and he pled guilty and all that, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Comes within my memories. I'll, I I share it. I own it, and I always say this didn't age well, and it gets a good <laughs> laugh because man, I just didn't want to believe it. <laughs> yeah, I I still have that piece. It's 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 silly, and it's not, of course I don't think it's okay what he did, but I just remember it, and I just I, I just you know. And not that it's you know I'm not saying that I, it's oh I'm not going to write somebody who hurts children. My goodness, man! When mm-hmm. people say that, I love when people start getting on the high horse. Oh God, there's a child molester? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, why don't you give me all your gacy paintings since you hate child molesters yeah. so much? <laughs> oh well, that's different. I go, yeah, man. He's a child raping killer. It's mm-hmm. even worse. Mm-hmm, so how exactly. about you do yourself a favor? Let me take this off your hands since I know what a what a what a moral person you are I would never condone. And then I'm always like, didn't you write Philip Jablonski and send him money? So you send child raping killers money too. But you're mad at, you know, this guy who's been accused of fondling a kid, get the fuck out of here. You know, I just, again, none of it's okay. But I'm not going to sit here and wave a flag like, oh my God, we need to hang the pedophiles. I'm like, gosh, Mm -hmm. man, you're so pro-death penalty, you want to hang people for
0: Mm non-capital
1: crimes now? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even do you even understand what goes into it. it's not a death penalty case. But yo, know, you want to make child molestation death. So you think we should be just killing people who are convicted of crimes that you don't like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I mean, I, have you ever seen an execution? You, ever, you know what goes into this, man? It's not. There's nothing good about executing mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Trust me. I've seen executions. They, there's, they don't go to sleep. Whoever said that shit has never seen one. Ugh. They're nightmarish, man. They're emotionally training. And it's a helpless, scary feeling, man. It's awful. Yeah. I fucking hate the death penalty. And I don't understand them getting a little excited because, man, I just I don't understand how people can, especially collectors, they get on these. Well, this is I won't collect this because he did this. And I'm like, well, man, how do you collect anybody then? Exactly. Because none of it's not only it's not OK if you rape 18 year olds, that doesn't make it OK just because they're adults. None mm-hmm. of this is okay, yeah. Exactly. You know, I don't collect it because I think it's okay. I find it interesting, and i the artwork I know comes out of you know the stuff that's made in out of, in Texas, those are there's no time an art studio. It's a terrible, terrible existence. and this the cells are dreary. there's no, it's just not mm-hmm. it's not an ideal place. So when you see these masterpieces speaking, you know Anthony
0: Shore was just, oh yeah man that guy was good he was really good yeah he he did really good
1: artwork fernando Caro uh did really good artwork and as much as i hate to say it man charles
0: one of my favorite artists is a guy in a death row in arizona called charles reinhardt probably the most detailed i've ever seen and mostly on the dark art but he's just tremendous i've known him for years but definitely one of my favorites to collect
1: yeah no i've seen i've seen a lot i've never written to him and i've always thought to because his artwork is that good there was a piece i saw on murder auction not that long ago and i think it was uh one of his uh leather faces and a part of me was like yeah Ooh.
0: Yep, I'm looking at Leatherface right now. <laughs> I own one myself.
1: I've got a pretty hefty collection of uh, Leatherface action figures, just because of the Ed Gein time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I have one Ed Gein signature, so I was like, "Well, I can get a couple of, you know, uh, these action figures." And when they come across my desk, so to
0: speak, I'll I'll snatch them up just yeah. because. Maybe <laughs> why not? Speaking of bobbleheads, are you still in the bobblehead business yourself? I most certainly am. Tell us <laughs> about. They're doing well They're, they and those were fun man there's a uh,
1: a gentleman out of san rafael which is right by san quentin it's in marin county one of the most expensive places to live in california and he emailed me about this idea of making bobbleheads and i told you know i said that sounds like a great idea man i don't have that kind of money and <laughs> you know unbeknownst to me this guy had money and one day he was like i have the prototypes made Do you want to come up and see him and he told me, uh, you know, where he lived in San Rafael and, you know, after a couple quick Google searches, I was like, oh, you know, that's right near Skywalker Ranch. Oh, that is expensive. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to meet with him and he pulls up in a, you know, a brand new Corvette. And I was like, oh yeah, man, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's not, this guy's not playing around. And we went out for coffee and showed me the prototypes. I thought they were great. And like a week or two later, he said, look, I, I, he told me he'd like to think of himself as being a good judge of character and asked how I would like to run the business. Uh, and then in the event that he would die, he would, uh, in the event he died, he would leave me the business. And um, he had, my, my partner, Rob, has not been in the best of shape. He's actually been in the hospital now for about a year and a half. And a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still kicking. Um, uh, and uh, we're still, we're still cranking up the bobbleheads. I want to make... A couple of new ones because if your business isn't expanding, it's shrinking. Mm-hmm. But we've just been so—I I just been going to a lot of concerts.
0: You know, there's girls here and
1: there. There's you know I've been doing some international traveling, and it just ends up becoming there's just no time. But I, I do plan to do um, uh, the Columbine kids mm-hmm. and a, a Jim Jones. Those 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 three, uh, and we you know we're kind of teeter tottering on you know um, Zodiac. But, but jim jones and the columbine nice are probably going to be uh you know we've thought about doing uh um, apple white because apparently a lot of people are into that heaven gates cult cake. oh man i couldn't believe how many people are I mm-hmm. mean, people really are interested in that one it's a big one mm-hmm. you know more so than like you know uh you know waco or mm-hmm. i was just surprised how many people and i i'm not sure if you know who would do better, but I, I think he would be popular as well. But I know mm-hmm. Jones is going to be good. And we have some yeah. really good ideas how to do him. And, 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 and currently, uh, the top seller is Hitler.
0: Really, <laughs> Hitler's making a comeback. I guess.
1: Yeah, dude, he sure is, man. And I always try to say to myself, the "Customers always right." The customers always right. Um, but man, I had one guy and he bought like fucking fifteen of them. And and I thought that I said, "Hey, man." What are you going to do with all these? Because I'm giving them to my family. And I'm thinking, oh, it's the Nazi family. And he started telling me, I mean, we're we're from Germany originally. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, you know. (laughs) I just It was just, he was really buying them up, man. Like, he was just, and I'm not saying, you know, he was a racist or anything. But, man, he certainly bought enough Hitler bobbles. He didn't buy anybody else. That's all he wanted.
0: Is there a specific website to uh, buy
1: the bobbleheads? com.
0: Great. And lastly, uh, any projects coming up that you're working on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, What's up in the near future for you?
1: Well, Vice is
0: going to be here again,
1: and they're going to be filming with me for two days. You know what? I'll throw a little tidbit out there. So I'm in Long Beach. Uh, It's Saturday night. Uh, The the Fresno Monsters beat the the Long Beach Shredders. Uh, We had met some of uh, the uh, opposing team, and, uh, and a lot of monster fans had actually come down from Fresno. So we were all kind of hanging out. I got in my car at about 10 p.m. And I jumped on the 405. Long Beach is about 22 minutes south of uh, Monterey uh, uh, Park. So we were driving. And then when we went the 405 up to the 5, I mean, we were not even 20 miles away from the shooting as what was happening. We were probably 15 miles away.
0: That's and crazy. you know,
1: you know, I just you, know, you don't you know, and little things like that, you know, it, it doesn't mean much because it's so. I mean, we had a we had a mass shooting in a, in a little city called Goshen. It's like 20, 20 miles from my house. I was mm-hmm. just like, who? And six people were killed. I didn't even make the news, you know. And it's like there's so many, but yeah, we were just, uh, you know, right as we were getting ready to leave, that guy was driving up to that place, getting ready to just kill everybody. Crazy. so you know and, and you you know you, you reflect on things like that and it just it's a small world man and it's it's close it's mm-hmm. closer than you think for sure and and living in california i'm real fortunate because you know i always you know when i'm driving i'll sometimes think ramirez drove on this road this is where he when he drove to san francisco
0: yeah <laughs> he was
1: right here you know and i think about that about a lot of folks you know because they i go to all the you know where they grew up and things like that and it's it's just uh yeah, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of the hockey. I'm going to be in Vegas next uh, this coming weekend. I'll be down in Los Angeles tomorrow. Got the uh, got a Green Jello concert, and the mentors are going to be there. Yes. As far as... Uh, I've just been collecting... I'm going to a lot of rock and roll shows, collecting a lot of rock and roll memorabilia, but uh haven't decided what I'm going to do with it all yet. I don't try to sell things, even though I'm, I'm supposed to, because that's how I pay for all this stuff. You know, one day I'll either sell it all or I'll do a book or perhaps I'll do a we've been talking about doing an exhibit in in the Fresno area in Fresno actually and um so that's something we've kind of like teeter-totter with but I'd have to buy like all these idiot proof cases so nobody could break things and you know have to have security and all kinds of stuff so we we've given it some thought you know to do something but as of you know as of right now I just, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy, enjoy life. I'm, I'm young enough to, to still run around a bit. Got a little lead nail pencil, so, (laughs) go and have
0: a good time. Well, there you have it, my conversation with William Harder. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Hopefully, he gave you a little insight uh, into what it's like to visit uh, a serial killer in prison, uh, especially with Charles Manson and Richard Ramirez, obviously. He's on Facebook. You can reach out to him. If you have any questions about his collection, I encourage you to go to murderauction.com. I'm on there myself. Once in a while, I'll uh, I'll pick up a few things. I'll sell a few things. Uh, It's a great uh, place for sure. If you have any questions, certainly send me a message. or Again, reach out to William. Uh, Reach out to him on Facebook or send a private message to the uh, Murder Auction site. Uh, He's very responsive. Again, very generous with his time. We thank him again for this. Uh, All right, everybody, thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, see ya!